When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today. How about you? I'm doing well. And also joining us today, making his first appearance this week, Doug Maurice. Uh, joining us, Doug, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, let's get down to it. The Browns have a free agency, you know, done, the big part of free agency. Uh, the draft is done. Uh, we don't have an off-season program to talk about right now. Obviously, they're doing everything digitally. They are going to have uh, a rookie mini camp, like a digital rookie mini camp next weekend. Um, but I think this is kind of a good opportunity for us to sit down and sort of assess what we've seen about this front office. Alignment was really the the key term from Jim Haslam. There was a reason that you know he jettisoned everybody and and went back to Andrew Barry. Uh, let uh, you know, brought in Kevin Stefanski, let Paul De Podesta have a little more control. And now we have, we're kind of at a point where we can look at this front office and, and this head coach and decide what our impressions are of them right now. So Mary Kay, uh, is, is there a word in your mind? Like, like give us a word that kind of describes what we've seen so far from this front office. You know, I think I need two words. Fine. Uh, I think I need smart and, and organized. They're, they're really super smart people, and they're really, really incredibly organized at what they're doing. They had 90 days to prepare to bring all these people together and to pull off free agency and to pull off the draft. And not only that, they had to do it amid the coronavirus, and everything kind of went off without a hitch. They landed the players that they wanted to in free agency. They got the number one tackle that they wanted in the draft. And it just seemed like it all went very, very smoothly. So I was very, I was very impressed by that part of it. Yeah, well, we'll circle back on that. But Doug, I want to get your word or word or words too. What what kind of pops in your head? Yeah, I think plan, like plan and future. Um, and it almost the the thing that it's sort of like the overriding thing with me is that they clearly know what they want to do, and I think they are thinking a couple of years ahead and they are thinking um, specifically about like how Kevin Stefanski wants to run an offense, the type of players that we want. And it just feels like, and maybe you guys have felt this before, but they're moving cohesively towards such a specific goal that if they cut this one short, if this is, if this ends up being another example of a coach and a GM who get 18 months or two years or whatever, 
they're going to be like so Stefanski specific that if they don't let this ride out for a while, like the next person I think is going to really be screwed because they're so like, while it's happening, I think it's great. Like I just imagining, you know, if, if they fired Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski in a year and like the new coach and GM came in and they were like, why do we have all these tight ends? And it would be like, well, it makes sense now. But if you aren't a team that wants to run an offense that features that. So, like, I'm excited about a plan, but it's like, oh, my God, it's so structured. They're going to fall in a hole if they don't let this ride out, which means, like, fingers crossed, let it ride out. Well, you know what? I I agree with you in some ways, Doug, there. They are very, very scheme-specific and specific down to – this a certain player i mean they they would go with a uh for instance a uh jordan phillips over a malik harrison uh because of the scheme and and you're right about that i mean they they really are tailoring it but i do also think that uh if you're picking really good players like and, and you're signing really good players like jack conklin at right tackle even if they don't end up playing a wide zone scheme in two years. And again, I don't think that's going to happen. I, th- I think they're going to try really hard to stick with this regime for a while. But even if they didn't, for some reason, that you know, run a wide zone scheme in two or three years, I still think that Jack Conklin's going to be a good right tackle. Hopefully for them, Jedrick Wills will be a very good left tackle. Uh, you know, I still think that they have good enough players that will, will be able to translate to other schemes. But I've been thinking about that too, Doug. It was just super incredibly specific to this regime. And I think Doug brings up an interesting point. You know, I'm trying to kind of rack my brain here in real time. Like when is the last time that I've sort of looked at an off season and seen more than just, okay, they're acquiring talent. You know, you know, like Doug mentioned, you can really see how this all fits. Like you can close your eyes and see how all these tight ends fit. And you knew that third receiver wasn't going to be a priority for this team. And lo and behold, they, they take a guy in the sixth round and then they pay Richard Higgins $900,000. So, you know, that, that all kind of jives with, with what we know. And, and I think I, I've kind of said all along, this whole offseason has just made sense. And I think a big reason for that is because we knew who Kevin Stefanski was. We, we know who Andrew Barry is, of course. We knew the scheme Kevin Stefanski wanted to run. So it just made sense you got to pay big money for a tight end. you got to fix right tackle. you got to fix left tackle. Uh, you, you know, you don't necessarily need to invest a bunch of money in a third receiver. You, you can go a different route because you have Kareem Hunt, too, which we talked about yesterday. He's, he's kind of your third receiver anyway. So I, I think that's really an, an interesting jumping off point is, you know, my word was going to be aligned. I, I hate to use the buzzword that the owner used and, and preached because we've been down that road before and it's never worked. But it really does feel like this time around, they, they are aligned. And you know what? I think they did, too. I think that's true, Dan. And I think what that led to, uh, I think that Andrew Barry really listened to the coaches. I think the coaches had a lot of input in what kinds of players they wanted in both free agency and the draft. And I think that uh, they had a lot of input into the actual players that Andrew Barry was thinking about drafting. I think he presented them with this guy and that guy. Who do you like better? I think that there was that synergy going on because uh, you've got a, a front office and a coaching staff now that are aligned. They're on the same page. They're 
philosophically aligned. There, we don't have like the traditional old school football guys over here and just the analytics people. There's a good blend of all of that together. And I think everyone is, is kind of on the same page. I think the one thing that's important to keep in mind with this is that um, you can see Barry and Stefanski like molding the lump of clay, but they at least had a lump, right? There have been a lot of regimes that have taken over here that they weren't able to shape things. So it's like, they looked and said, well, you know, we have Denzel Ward. We have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. We have Joel Batonio. We have Miles Garrett. We have Sheldon Richardson. We have like, we have a quarterback. We don't have to figure, you know, that there was enough as much as sort of the saucy transition to the Dorsey transition. Now back to this was a little bit piecemeal and you could see the different philosophies there. You know, the things they did, the losing that led to the high draft picks, the trades that Dorsey made, he got some of these people in here. They didn't keep everybody, but I do think it allowed Barry and Stefanski to be more precise with some of the things they wanted to do in free agency and in the draft because they weren't absolutely starting from scratch. And when you're inheriting a team that took Justin Gilbert and Archibius Mingo and Trent Richardson in the first round, and you're like, oh, great, we literally have nothing, then it's much harder to have a plan because you're just gathering anything. You just have to feed yourself. You don't get to pick which restaurant you want to go to. You're starving. These guys could be a little more precise because they had some stuff to work with, which was sort of like the plan of this all along. But within having that, some, some talent left there, then I do think, yes, plan, alignment, smart, all those things they've done very well. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I mean, look, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, we remember you had Greg Williams as your defensive coordinator. And Jabril Peppers is lining up 30 yards off the line of scrimmage. And it just sort of blew everybody away when the Browns kind of went and found a free safety and how Jabril Peppers could slide into a more natural role. I mean, we've seen this stuff over and over and over. You can probably go back to 1999 and, and point some of this stuff out. Like, it, it does feel like at the very least, these guys looked at a depth chart. <laughs> and like you said, Doug, obviously there's talent there. They haven't had this level of talent in a long time. But at least they probably looked at a depth chart and said, you know, this is what Kevin Stefanski's depth chart looks like. Let's start filling things in. This is what Joe Woods' depth chart looks like. Let, let's start filling some things in. And on top of all that, these are the positions we value. These are the positions we value a little less, maybe. And, and this is where we're going to throw all of our resources towards. It, it just, to me, I feel like even without really digging and, and you know, trying to mine for information, I still feel like I know a lot about what this front office values and what they want to do. Uh, and to your guys' point, too, and to Doug's point specifically, you look at a guy like a, a Nick Harris, uh, a very movement-based and on the shorter side center. Uh, he, he is perfectly suited to playing in the wide zone scheme. He's got all of the skills that you would want for that. But there are not many teams, not many other teams, that would need a guy like that. Uh, so once again, you're seeing that, you know, this is Andrew Barry stocking the team specifically for Kevin Stefanski, for Bill Callahan, for the, for the coaches and what they exactly need uh, to run their schemes over the next couple of years. I will say that the thing that is lingering out there for me that I'm super interested about is how they will value the receiver position down the line because they inherited two highly skilled, highly paid receivers. And like 
again, Mary Kay, you shot down all the Odell trade stuff right away, which I think was, you know, very reassuring um, for a lot of Browns fans when you did your reporting on that. But uh, of course, I mean, I'm so glad that they didn't come in and like just try to wipe Odell out of there, but I'll be very curious down the line, maybe after 2020, do they want to spend 31 million on those two guys? If they don't, what do they do? Who do they replace them with? Like we know, and Dan, like Dan, I was, Dan, the whole draft was like, they're going to take a tight end. And I was like, dude, how many tight ends do you need? It was like, Dan was right. But they're, you know, again, they don't have to worry. And they brought Higgins back on a good price. He wants to come back. Those are three competent receivers, which is not the norm in Cleveland. I'll be very curious down the line how they value that position because they were able in some ways to go in on tight end because they didn't really have to worry about receiver. But will they try to save money there when they're trying to pay Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward down the line? Well, maybe receiver be one of those things where they're trying to – maybe they'll try to be cheap at receiver like they're kind of doing at linebacker now because they want to spend it on tackles and tight ends. And I'm just I'm, – of all the things we're learning, I don't feel like I have a handle on that yet, and I'm curious where that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, obviously you, you hope that a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones develops. But, again, he's a sixth-round pick. We, you know, it might take some time. You know, maybe it was just Michigan's offense, or maybe, you know, it is going to take a little while for him to turn into that guy that can be uh, an heir apparent. And then you look at the rest of the roster, and you're talking – you know, guys like Damian Ratley and, and Kadero Hodge, Rashard Higgins, these aren't top-line receivers. So that, that is going to be an interesting position to watch. But, you know, they're going to have some wiggle room. Next year they can really be sort of laser-focused if they want to make some changes there. Uh, another word that I would throw out there, and, and this kind of goes along with your smart and organized Mary Kay, how about um, – let's go with unflappable. We've had – you know, a number of press conferences or Zoom calls or, or whatever with, with both of these guys. And they are just completely and totally, you cannot throw anything at them that throws them off right now. So maybe at some point we're going to find something. And, and you know, again, I've, I say this with every new coach, every new GM, losing can change things. Uh, hopefully we won't find that out, but losing can change things. Right now, completely unflappable. You can't throw anything at them. And one of the things that really stands out to me, and I think one of our texters asked us this, one of our Football Insider texters asked us this about, do you trust this regime more? And I feel like these guys aren't going to just lie to us to our faces. They just aren't going to answer a question if they, if they don't want to tell us. Uh, so, so they just don't – there's no flinch in these guys right now. Well, you know, uh, one of the things – uh, when I talked to Brad Childress, Kevin Stefanski's mentor about him, he talked about him uh, just flatlining. I mean, that's just, that's just who he is, uh, you know, and he's got three young kids too. And you can see that, you know, none of that, none of that stuff phases him either, even, you know, when they're jumping on, on the set and on TV. I mean, that's gonna, how he's going to be with his football team too. Nothing, he can, he can multitask. He can handle a lot of things coming at him at once. And that is so vitally important in this job. You have to be able to wear so many hats, juggle so many things. And here's another thing that stands out to me about him. I think he's laying down the law with his players right from the outset. I think he's telling them, I don't want a lot of big talking. I don't want to hear a lot about we're going to the Super Bowl. We're not going to speak things into existence. We're going to go out there and we're going to do it. I think he's telling players point blank exactly what he's going to expect of them from a behavioral standpoint from a whatever, a weight standpoint, nutrition, uh, whatever they need to do this offseason to, to stay in shape. Uh, I, I think he's got incredible leadership skills in that regard. 
And I don't think anybody's going to walk all over him. I don't think we're going to see Jarvis Landry getting in his face and yelling at him on the sidelines during a football game. I mean, maybe occasionally you'll have something like that because it's the heat of the moment and those guys have strong personalities. But I think Kevin Stefanski is going to have a handle on his players. I think, Dan, you are using the word unflappable as a nice synonym for boring, right? I mean, come on, these guys don't say anything. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's part of it, right? They, they kind of keep things boring and bland when, when they talk publicly. I do think, I always thought part of the issue during the Sashi Brown regime was that he didn't say anything either. And that it's very hard to be sort of like close to the vest and boring when you're losing. It's like, could you explain the losing a little bit? It's like, no, no, I don't know. I'm not going to really explain it, whatever. So um, that's great. Like, I, I, it does come with certainly a layer of competence, right? I mean, they're not going to sort of like let you in publicly on stuff. Um, but, you know, I do think the competence goes a long way right now. They are an online front office. They're a social distance front office. They're a front office for the coronavirus. They are not a back-slapping, glad-handing, hey, we're, you know, let's whatever, like kind of, they're more comfortable. Like they're just, they're fine being on Zoom. Some people, they don't want to be on Zoom. They want to be in the room with you. So like, I almost think in a, in a million different ways, like they are perfectly suited to handle everything that's happening right now. Great situation, the way it evolved. You know, I'm not a thousand percent sure it doesn't mean that Jarvis isn't going to yell at him on the sideline, right? I, I mean, like, I do think Mary Kay, you're, some of that is for a lot of that sideline stuff last year. The talk was the guys were excited and I liked being excited. Let's talk it into existence. Cleveland's been beaten down for two decades. Let's maybe get ahead of ourselves. I was okay with it in the moment. And I thought, you know, if the Freddie Kitchen regime kind of bought into that. So I get the, the, the slide the opposite way right now. Um, but I think in the end, it probably is true. What will keep them from blowing up on Kevin Stefanski is competence. It's like, well, you're, it seems just like you have an offensive plan. It seems like it's working. We're not losing. Like you're calling the right timeouts. Um, so, but I do, I think this is peak Barry and Stefanski. Like they are on a socially distanced honeymoon with their players and the fans right now. And I'm, I'm not doubting them when everything comes back to normal, but I'm very curious. And you know what I mean by that? Like Jarvis is always going to be fiery. He's always, always going to have a lot of personality, but I think that Kevin Stefanski is going to have a better handle on all of like the craziness that went, went on last year. And I'm talking all the way up to Miles Garrett whacking Mason Rudolph over the head with the helmet. There was a vibe of this is kind of like, hey, you know, laissez-faire, let's just do whatever the heck we want. There was no discipline and no control, and there was just no accountability for behavior at all. And that's why you had uh, so many crazy things happen with so many different players. I mean, you had Demarius Randall doing something. You had Richard Higgins doing another thing. You had Jarvis Landry you know, yelling on on the sidelines. It it lent itself to just chaos. I mean, it was just bedlam in so many ways. And that is not going to happen in this regime. That is the the one thing that stands out to me above all else is these guys are going to have a tight rein on their football team. 
the expectations are going to be laid out so clearly that you will know exactly what you need to do. And I really think that if you step outside of the lines, I mean, like you said, personality is welcome and they're going to, you know, allow these guys to be themselves to a degree. But when it comes to uh, the voices and the distractions and the craziness and the chaos that went on last year, they're not going to tolerate it at all. And I don't think we're going to see half as much of that stuff this year. There remain some big personalities on this team, though. And so and I think that the way Stefanski phrased it right off the bat, as you just said, Mary Kay, was the right way to do it. I'm curious. I mean, he hasn't had to deal with Odell not coming to OTAs yet. He hasn't had to deal with Odell wearing a watch or Odell wearing shoes or like, okay, so if Odell wants to wear shoes and Kevin Stefanski says, no, 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 we don't do that. We all wear the same shoes. We're the Browns. And Odell says, well, then, I'm, I mean, I'm wearing my shoes. I don't care what you say. Like, I don't know for sure. Yes, the coaches set a tone, but Kevin Stefanski's never been a head coach. He's still pretty young, right? I mean, I don't know that he's a hammer. Is he a hammer down guy for sure? Like, yes, the- I think so. I think so. I think he's gonna. I think he's going to set forth the expectations very clearly, and I think we we'll, we will see just so much less shenanigans than we saw last year. And I can almost. I'm gonna guarantee it right now that we will not see even half of the stuff that we saw go on last year this year and nobody will bristle against that nobody will push back some of the big personalities on this team no i think if you respect the program you respect your coaches and you respect you know even the play calling and you respect the preparation and you have everybody working together in concert uh, I just don't think that there's an opportunity to to really go off the reservation. I think it's sort of what you see most of the time, most of the time, not all the time, but in New England. You know, they, they just respect the program enough that a lot of that stuff doesn't happen. I mean, even in, in San Francisco, even when Kyle Shanahan was a new head coach, you didn't see a lot of craziness, a lot of chaos. I, I think – Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry together and the whole program that they have put together. Uh, I, I just think it's going to lend itself to a lot less crap. Okay, we're, we're going to keep talking about this, but first I want to uh, get a quick break in here to tell everybody about football insider. So now let me tell you about football insider. What is it? It is our texting service where Mary Kay, me, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, we will text you multiple times throughout the day with uh, instant analysis, breaking news, information that we have exclusive to our texters. Uh, you can text back with us and we'll text you directly. It cuts through the clutter of Twitter, Facebook, any other social media out there. And every day we send you an exclusive newsletter uh, with the latest content on cleveland.com, but also with an exclusive piece that doesn't run anywhere on the website. Just as an example, I graded every single pick the Browns made the Sunday after the draft that only went to our Football Insider subscribers at the top of that newsletter. So you want to get involved on that. We also, in the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here, do Texter Tuesdays. If you haven't heard that, it's a podcast every Tuesday where we do only Texter questions. And the only way you can get involved in that is to sign up for Football Insider. So you can get a 14-day free trial that you can cancel at any time with one text, but we don't think you'll want to. After that, it's $3.99 a month. That's less than 14 cents a day. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. Down the right side of the page, there's a box you can click on to sign up for it. Or even easier, you can send us a text 216 208 
3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965 to start your free trial. And now back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, we're talking about Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and, and our impressions of them. And, and Doug and Mary Kay were talking about, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about the unflappability, right? And how Kevin Stefanski hasn't had to deal with, with some things yet. And, and as you guys were talking, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, why does this happen to head coaches, especially in Cleveland, right? Why do we always end up with a head coach who says something stupid on a Thursday, you know, and it makes headlines for a week? And, uh, you know, Cleveland is a little bit of a pressure cooker when it comes to football. This team is covered like, you know, a New York team. In a lot of ways, the market is, the market is big for football. It might not be big for other sports, but it's big for football. And when you get into the season and you're the head coach, you got to talk to us five days a week, four times during the week. And after immediately after the games, about 10 minutes after the game, you got to talk to us. And you're the only guy that talks. We hear from the GM at the bye week. We hear from the GM at the end of things. Uh, but you have to speak now for the entire organization. So the next kind of big hurdle, I guess, for Kevin Stefanski is, is he going to be up for that? It's a little different when you're the coordinator and only have to talk once a week. He's going to have to answer for everything organization-wide in and out of his control, and he's going to have to do it four or five times a week. That, that's kind of why this has worn on some people here, Mary Kay, especially when there's losing just over and over and over again on top of it. I think he'll be a very quick study when it comes to handling the media responsibilities. I think he'll find out very fast that a, a, a small snippet of what he says will become a headline and that it will be instantaneously going viral. And I think that he'll quickly learn what he can and cannot say. And I think he's already adjusted to that a little bit. I think he kind of knows. I think he can hear his own headlines in his head. Uh, and I've already kind of seen him making some adjustments that way. So I think he's going to do a good job with that. I think he's going to be able to figure out right away what message he wants to put out there, uh, what he wants to keep to himself, and you know how he can use the media to his advantage. I think he's going to get it really quickly. I'm very curious about this, and, and you guys have obviously covered it a ton more than I have. Um, he seems, Stefanski seems pretty egoless for a head coach. And I think that there can be a fine line between like egoless and like maybe you're actually not like cut out for this. Cause like to some degree you kind of need an ego. I would say that Freddie had an ego. I would say that Hugh had an ego. I don't, I, I don't know if there's, maybe you guys would disagree with that, but those are the, really the only head coaches I've been around. And Greg Williams clearly had an ego. <laughs> I don't know, like who else, like, did Mike Pettin have an ego? Did, like, it turns out it probably seemed like Pat Shermer did get another chance at a head coaching job, but Chudzinski and Pettin are probably better coordinators than head coaches. Mangini had an ego, right? Like, did maybe Romeo Cornell didn't have an ego, but then was Romeo Cornell like a great head coach? I'm very curious. Butch Davis had an ego, right, Mary? I'm only the only stuff I know about that is what I read from Mary Kay Cabot. So, like, I'm trying to figure out the idea of. Browns coaches, like, do you think you need a certain amount of ego as the Browns coach or would sort of like egoless, calm, competent, firm, but it's not about you? Is that actually the correct formula? And how does Stefanski's personality fit into all that? You know what I think? I think that uh, in the coaches that I've covered throughout my, my career, one of the first things I look for is 
confidence, self-confidence and being self-assured, knowing who you are, being super grounded and being able to handle everything that's going to come your way, including constant criticism, second guessing by us, players going off the reservation, doing things that they aren't supposed to be doing, people getting arrested, uh, you know, things not working out, a coronavirus that cancels your off-season program. And he seems to me to be a very self-assured, self-confident person. I've seen some very insecure head coaches come through here, and you can't be that. You cannot have that at all. You have to know exactly who you are and what you want and how you're going to get there. And I think he has that. I think he has that. Now, is he going to be a head coach? No, not a good head coach. We don't know that yet. But he has some of the qualities, including leadership and, uh, and just strength of character that I think you need to pull this off. And, and I think the other piece of it, too, is you got to be able to stay out of the stay out of the social media age, stay out, stay out of reading the headlines. I mean, obviously, these guys can't hide from this stuff. But like I mentioned, right, I mean, these guys have to talk every day. And it's not just us in that room. We'll sit in that room and have Twitter open, and a coach will say something, and he's still talking, and there's some aggregation site that has a headline up on something he said. And someone who doesn't cover the team, who has no context, who has no idea why the coach said this. You know, every now and again, a quote will go viral on Twitter and somebody will point to it as, oh my gosh, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. When in context, if you kind of hear the rest of the quote or know the vibe of the rest of the press conference or whatever it is, it, it makes sense. Like it's, it's, it was a joke or it was something that he said, a reference back to something he said earlier. I mean, those are the things that these coaches have to kind of stay away from. And then, you know, when one of us tweets on game day, why'd you run that play on fourth down? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just show up and, and do your work the next day and don't worry about what any of us say. Um, that, that's really sort of where you have to toe that line because you want to have that ego. And yeah, you love seeing your name out there and you love getting praised for all the good stuff, but you kind of have to stay away from that stuff too. And, and I think Kevin Stefanski is like that. I don't think he's a guy that, you know, has his ears up and is listening for stuff like that. I'm always curious, again, I feel like a, I'm hiding the fact that I don't have any actual answers myself by asking the two Browns actual experts on this podcast, because I'm curious about this. The fact that the Browns stink and the fact that they have stunk since they came back, that pressure, that I think is one of the things, to some degree, some of the stuff we're talking about, there's only 32 NFL teams. It's America's sport. There's only one game a week. You talk about it 365 days a year. The, some of the pressure, I mean, I think that applies everywhere to some degree, right? People love football. What is a little different in Cleveland is that there's the weight of losing that pushes down on everybody here. It felt like Hugh Jackson at times, John Dorsey at times, Freddie Kitchens at times, like stared straight at that losing and said, like, we're going to change that. We're going to awaken the sleeping giant. We're going to the Super Bowl. Maybe I've missed it. It feels like Andrew Barry and like Kevin Stefanski kind of aren't doing that as much. They're just like, let's see if we can win in week one. What is the better approach? When you're at a place, it's the losingest sports franchise in, in America to some degree. Do you confront it head on or do you ignore the past and, and just do your job? And Mary Kay, I'm sure you've seen coaches do it differently. What, what's the best approach? 
Well, I, I think Kevin Stefanski has already made it very clear that he doesn't want a lot of guys running around saying, you know, we're going to go out and win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, I, I think they've, they've already, you know, kind of set the tone for that. Uh, I don't think that, that they're worried too much about the past. And I think the thing to remember about Kevin Stefanski and what Andrew Berry liked about him and what the Browns liked about him, they were looking for a CEO coach. They wanted uh, an individual that could manage all the roles that you have to play as the head coach of an NFL football team. And so far to me, it seems like they've nailed that, that CEO thing. It seems like he is going to be able to manage uh, and multitask all the roles in terms of, you know, you got to hire the right people and you have to make sure that your defense, uh, your defense coordinator is running that side of the ball. You need to make sure that the offensive coordinator is running that side of the ball and you're going to oversee the whole thing and make sure that it's all going well. And I think they hired uh, the right kind of human being, the right character, uh, the right face of the franchise. I think they got it right in those regards. I, I think Kevin Stefanski's biggest win so far was, um, look, I was completely cynical when he came in and said, uh, you know, I'm, I don't need to call the plays. No offensive coach ever walks into a building and, and says, you know, we're going to do what's best for the team. And, we're going to make this decision based on what's best for the team. Usually when any offensive coach or even a defensive coach says that, what they're really saying is me calling the defense or me calling the plays is what's best for the team. And Kevin Stefanski, now we'll see how this all plays out, but it's pretty genuine. I think he's, if it ends up with Alex Van Pelt calling the plays, I think he's going to be able to get out of the way and let him do that. Now, look, if the offense stinks, you know, maybe he gets a little itchy with the trigger finger, but I think that's sort of the first one. He's kind of talked me off that ledge where I've been like, yeah, okay, I know he said he'll do what's best for the team, but that usually means I'm calling the plays. He just doesn't want to say it right now. And, and I'm starting to, to back off of that a little bit. I really do believe that if he thinks Alex Van Pelt's the right guy to do it, then he, he's going to let him do it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think that uh, – I actually think that it probably will go that way, that he will let Alex Van Pelt do it. Uh, or at least try it and, and see how it goes. But I think he has enough faith in, in Alex to, to let him do that. And I think that, I think that he does see himself as a CEO coach and that he's not wed to calling the place. It's not like he's done it for 10 years. And it's not like he's an Andy Reed and he, you know, he's just so amazing at it uh, that nobody else can do it as well as he can. He recognizes that maybe Alex, would even be better than he is at calling the plays. Uh, so I do like the fact that he is uh, willing to give that up. And I do think that that is a sign that, that he doesn't have a huge ego. And in, in a lot of cases, a huge ego, in my mind, can be a sign of tremendous insecurity. Tremendous insecurity. And I think he is a very, very secure man. I would just like to say that I have a huge ego. <laughs> uh oh we better we better dig into that <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to save that for trust me when we get to like the middle of may or the middle of july we're going to be digging into to doug's psyche here <laughs> especially if football isn't barreling down upon us at that time all right well that will do it for this edition of the orange and brown talk podcast appreciate everyone listening and make sure you sign up for football insider for doug and mary Kay. i'm dan thanks for listening